Hello and welcome to What Color Is Your Drink? For another episode, we have here Mirella Angustinelli from the Wiley Fox. She's the content created and the marketing. And of course, we have Ian Keo. Did I pronounce it right? Yes, but I'm... He's the owner of the Wiley Fox, uh, Soundhouse, Boschberger, and he will let us know if it's any other projects going on for him. Uh, I would like to thank you for joining the episode. So it's as well something new for me. And uh, just I want to start first with uh, if you could introduce yourself, uh, Ian or Mirella. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose the intro is perfect. Um, Ian Kyo, so um, like you said, it's it's a couple of brands. So we have the, the Soundhouse live music venue in Dublin, um, which has been around since 2017. Uh, that we've been, it's, it's kind of like our baby project that we've been spending a ferocious amount of time and energy on to try and develop, to try and put a product in the marketplace and to try and bring some sort of a, a value and a service to, to the industry, which for me... For a long time, I've seen kind of music, uh, live entertainment uh, as being a, a pivotal role in what we do. From I suppose my my background is pubs. I've been in I've been in bars since nineteen ninety six, if you can believe it. Like in, in in three years, I am not nearly old enough yet to be thirty years in this industry. But in three years' time, I'll have been in this industry for thirty years, and that's a scary number for a guy who you know is is convincing himself that he's still young and full of energy uh so the idea that you that you could be in this in this industry for 30 years um i suppose that's my background I, that's when i i first started uh right at the very bottom right where most people start you know which yeah. is you know bottle boy lounge boy general dog's body running around the place just doing whatever it is you're told to do and uh applying yourself in whatever way you can um so, um, so we we did that with the Potchin Still worked for Lou Fitzgerald's group for about eight or nine years, um, and then uh, an uncle of mine who's in who's an ex publican, uh, ex bartender who was in the trade for a long time and and has himself a stock taking company got an opportunity at running uh, taking on the lease of a pub in the city centre called Jack Nealon's very famous pub on Capel Street. Uh, this was so that was in two thousand and four. I went to work for him running the bar, um, and then I that's when I started moving from a bartender. Um, in, into kind of a more management role, uh, running pubs, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we took that uh, little uh, enterprise that he had. He wanted to do stocks and I wanted to run pubs. So uh, we opened up and we, we took on another lease of uh, the Greyhound Inn in Blanchestown, I think around 2007. Um, so we were running two pretty big pubs, like Graham was a monster and I had a, a huge off license. So off license was reasonably new to me, although we would have run, we would have run one in the Potchian for a long time, but it was a smaller operation. This is ex Malloy is a Malloy's grouper, okay. an enormous drinks in, industry Goliath at the time. They're a little smaller now, but but back in the kind of the, the late nineties, early nineties, they were, they were pretty big. Um, and we also would have taken on, uh, a, a third pub as well. So, uh, in about 2009, we took on uh, the the lease for the the Bachelor Inn on Bachelor's Walk, okay. which is kind of closed now at the moment, which is a shame because um, w- when we had it and when we were running it, it was I was I was convinced it was one of it was one of the best success stories we had because we had it bouncing. The place was the place was flying. It was busy all day. It was it had a, it, it had a great um, music offering. Uh, on Thursday nights through Sunday nights, and it was it was it was just the atmosphere, and it was incredible. Um, and one of the things, like it was so, one of my proudest things to have accomplished at that time because we didn't have an awful lot of budget, we didn't throw an awful lot of money at it. We did it the soft way, the hard way, which is, you know, getting in and kind of kneading the dough. You know what I mean? It's very kind of how would you say it's uh, it's very manual. Okay. You know, you got to spend a lot of time at it. Um, it's a lot of processes. Uh, you're just observing and making subtle changes and reacting to little things and making tweaks on the fly. Uh, and then by the end of it, we we had the place on wheels. The place was flying. Uh, delighted with it, and we just couldn't make any money out of it because the landlord. This is kind of there was a there was a large legacy hangover from landlords who were. This is in 2010, you know, and yeah. they were all committed to legacy banking lendings from the Celtic Tiger days. And, you know, we were running the Greyhound, we were running the Bachelor. So at the, whatever, whatever age it must have been, I must have been in my late 20s, you know, but 27 years old. Um, and somehow I find myself 
running three pubs in Dublin, um, more or less by myself. My my uncle, who was running the stock taking side of things, was around um, as a mentor to me. Uh, so whenever I needed him, he was on the phone and the odd time he'd be available in meetings. But for the rest of the time, it was like, you know, f- figure it out, man, you know, go yeah. make it, make it work. You know? That's a lot of responsibilities for a 27 year old. Did you ever felt uh, like you wanted to give up and try something new? Oh God, no, 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 never, no. No, because I, I think the small bit unusual for me is that I made a, I made a passing comment, I think, to my mother when I was 16, and it's it's kind of been less of a passing comment now and, and more of an anchor that I, I set down at the tender age of 13, and it was a commitment to be to, to have my first million euro earned by the time I was 30, you know? Um, and I was committed to the idea that I would apply myself in this way to this trade, and this would be what I did. This would be how I made my... This would be how I, I made a career for myself. Um it was what I was good at. It had the, I had the right kind of personality for it in terms of I was I was a people person. Um, I, I had you know I had a bit of a, a bit of a gift of the gab. It's what some people might call it. You're able to talk the legs off people. So if you don't interrupt me, I'm just going to keep talking, and it's just. Oh, you're very charismatic. So <laughs> you're one of these people that you enjoy listening. You know. Just, okay. Well, you know, well yeah, that's that's part of it. Is, that's is like, a charisma. I think it's part of it. Like the the Irish bartender story as well is is that they're they're good storytellers. You try to. Hopefully, it's not all coming across as me just waffling and talking nonsense and rambling incoherently. And hopefully, at some stage, there's there's a bit of a story arc, uh, you know, that this all kind of has a a purpose to it. But I think part of the bartender story is you kind of um, you have this 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 charisma, this uh, gift of the gab, the storytelling. Uh, you, you're able to kind of captivate people. Um, and I, I suppose to a certain degree, I always had a kind of an entrepreneurial spirit as well. So that was a big motivator for me. Um, even from when I was a kid, I was doing stuff around the where we grew up. I was doing little hustles and trying to make money. And how could I earn a small bit? Of, you know, my mother tells a, a mother. My mother will tell you a story if you sat for five minutes and listen to her long enough. She'll be quickly into telling a story how I set up a miniature golf course in my back garden <laughs> to charge all of my friends on the estate. We used to charge them 50 cents to come on. And I take a door off a hinge and I put it on the ground and I'd put a hole in it. Yeah. Right. And I put some obstacles on the door to That's make it like cool. a miniature golf. I don't know why we had, an, I don't, I've no, I can't tell you the reason why we had uh, an access amount of doors, but we had like four or five of them and I laid them all out on the ground <laughs> and I turned them into like a miniature pigeon puck kind of uh, crazy golf thing. Crazy. Um, Yes, so just nonsense like that, you know. Uh, so that's the kind of entrepreneurial. That's just that's been there. That's always been there, yeah. where I've mm-hmm. always wanted to kind of apply myself. Um, and then you kind of um, you match that with the, the upbringing that hospitality has given me as well. So the the goal was always to kind of do this. I think that was set out from a young age. Um, I even to to fully commit to it, it was I I left I left school I left education formally um, at when I was when I was seventeen. Um, I was in my final year, I was in sixth year uh, of school, and I was like, Phew. "Did you ever go back?" Or? Never went back. No, never went back. Never went back. That's so a, another success story that you don't need a college uh, degree. Yeah, so I suppose you're, you're, yeah. I, I'm not sitting here, you know, advocating for it necessarily. No, of course. <laughs> my, it was, it was my path, and I, and I had, I had some good people around me who sat me down in fairness and warned me not to do this and con- tried to convince me that what I was doing was um, was against my own interest and uh, with only I think seven months left of of uh, sixth year I left um, I made the decision to go and work full time and to complete what was one of the very last real genuine apprenticeships back in the day because in like in the in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s like apprenticeships were really a thing the bartending um, trade was really a trade. You know, you did your four years, you did it under one shop, under one management type of thing, yeah. and you got your you got your kind of accreditation or your certification type of thing, and you could the world was your oyster. Then you were you were a bartender now, and you can go on a cruise ship, you can go to New York, you can go to Australia, and I love the idea of traveling. I, that was a big, a big thing for me. Was I had this kind of adventurous kind of um, grow within me. So did you work abroad? As I well? never, never left. I got a. I went jumped myself and a good friend of mine who I was working with at the time got um, 
we got we went jumped through a load of hoops and we went through all of, of the paperwork and did all of the proper due diligence that you need to do to get a two year working visa for Australia. Okay. And neither of us ever went. Oh. <laughs> Women, unfortunately. Oh, uh, are you still friends? <laughs> <laughs> We're still friends. Myself and shout out to Ryan Bargery, um, uh, a good friend of mine from Tipperary. We uh, we we both we both found women. Um, uh, and uh, we both stayed where we are. His was a fleeting relationship. The woman that I found was is is still the 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 woman in my life at the moment. Nice. Um, I'm married to her all these years later. So, um, but as as a result, that that's just how it happened. And we we never we never left the country. We never did anything in the end. You know, oh, that's great. Hola, <laughs> hello, welcome, Jonathan. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Brad. Straight from the airport, Jonathan. Oh, that's stressful. Oh, nice suit. Need to get this guy on camera. How's <laughs> things? All good, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. So we had Ian talking about his uh, backstory before he go- he wanted to go to Australia, but he never managed to go. Never got the traveling done. No, yeah. just got the trade thing done instead. So that was it. That was the compromise. So the idea was, if I'm not going to go, what I'll do instead is uh, I'll I'll knuckle down and commit myself to the pathway of doing this. You know, I think there was maybe a small bit of you kind of have to justify it now, right? So now you've left school, you've left school early, you don't have a formal education, so you've gone all in on this on this gamble of yours, kid. You know what I mean? So you better figure out a way of making this one work. Yeah. All right. So I think that was extra. I think that might have been extra motivation as well. So you never looked back. Like for your decision leaving no, the school? No, never did. No, it, it kind of gave me a, I don't know if I gave me a head start or not because I mean, it was only a six month or seven month delay and I would have been out the gap anyway. I, I suppose a lot of, a lot of what I did thereafter was self-taught um, and uh, yeah, so it, it never really kind of affected me. I knew what I wanted to do and I knew the discipline that mm-hmm. I needed uh, to, to get good at. Um, and it was just a case of just getting kind of laser focused in on that, you know. And okay. when I went to Neilands, Neilands was a big change for me because obviously it was a lot more um, management. It was a lot more kind of now being a team leader and you have to kind of motivate people and get the best out of people. And that's when you kind of really do some grown up lessons because yeah. you realize like you're left in charge of a pub in the city center and somebody hands you the keys and walks away. And kind of goes, right, man, it's over to you now. You've been talking all this bullshit about how great you are and about how you're the next big thing, right? So let's go and do it and let's see what you've got. And I suppose the learnings that I take from that kind of time in my life is, is that there's, you kind of you kind of see the emperor has no clothes to a certain degree. And what I mean by that is it's a little bit like the scene in The Matrix when Neo's able to see the patterns in The Matrix and he's able to see what this thing really is. It was, it was After a couple of years, I eventually kind of go... Oh, okay. Okay. So nobody knows anything. Nobody knows the truth. Nobody knows what's yeah. real. Nobody knows uh, the proper way to do things. We're all just here and we're all just bouncing around the place, bouncing into each other and trying to figure this shit out. Fake it till we make it. And it's, it's such a big thing. Like, and, and, and then you had the show, right? The show with like the fake it till you make it show and you have all these other bits and pieces. But like, it, but, it's, it, but it's maybe a little bit more um, profound than that in the sense that it's maybe a bit more, you manifest it first. First of all, you, manif- you manifest it from yourself and then you, you project that outward and then you're able to project, because you're able to project this confidence and this assuredness and this vision and this is what I believe. And, and if, if you can get that out of you, you can maybe try to convince other people this guy looks like he knows what he's talking about. And underneath all of that, like they don't realize that you've got the the seed of an idea. You've got some sort of a basic under rudimentary understanding of what it is you're trying to achieve here. But you haven't fleshed this out. You haven't got any kind of meat on this bone. Um, you've got an idea uh, and you're trying to convince other people to now commit chunks of their life you know, of chunks of their, like your profession, your career, your your own personal ambitions, you're going to hitch that wagon to this guy, yeah. right? <laughs> In the hope that he has some vague idea that what he's about to do is, is tangible and real. So um, that was a, that was the first and, and it just became more reaffirming thereafter the more I kind of went on and the more things I did, it was a lot of, or we're just trying to, just a bunch of human beings out here, grown up children, 
who are who are just trying to figure shit out you know okay. so when you see that and you realize that and you kind of you see the emperor has no clothes type of, of yeah. analogy it's like all right so let's go then then because then that makes it easier i think because now we all know where we are we all know we're on the same um platform you've got people who maybe have different resources um and we talk about the idea of networks being a resource and community being a resource. If you're a solo practitioner, then it's just you on your own. And and that's really hard because it's a like it's a shark tank out there, right? Everybody's trying to eat your dinner. Yes. Everybody's trying to steal your customer. Everybody wants your turnover. Everybody wants your revenue. So like it's it's just it's a sea of sharks. So you gotta figure that bit out. Um and if you have a strong community around you, if you've got a strong team around you. Um, people who like Mirella, for example. No, for sure. Yeah, and but like Mirella's a, a massive cog in a in an overall machine. It's like we can't have any individual taking, and and that comes from me, and that's that starts with me. It's like I don't take a lap of honor, yeah. a solo run because we've had a success or we have a win. It's like I didn't do this on my own. Like I recognize that team effort. There's no part of this. Yeah, there's no part of this. No part of this is a solo job. Yeah. You know, it like you need, and that's the. It, that's the bit that I say to people a lot is that a lot of what we do actually isn't complicated. We're not putting a man on the moon here. This is not rocket science, right? It's not that complicated. Um, and most of business strategies, when you brawl it down, and most business schools or business leaders will try to tell you to con- condense your vision into into your, Simon Sinek will say your why, right? So that'll be the idea. Like, what's your why? You know, what's your purpose for existing? Why did you set up this company? Why did you put this product or service in the market? And why should anybody give a fuck that you did, right? Yeah. It's it's a, it's a little bit of that. And uh, Okay. Sh- no, thank you. This uh, was very insfo- insightful, like, as a businessman, like, how everything works and... Well, 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 see, that's not everything. You see, that's the top level. That's yeah. that, that. That's really the kind of the top and, level stuff. And yeah, you need to network in this environment. And uh, yeah, isolation is not good. I wanted to ask Mirella, like, how you got job in the Wiley Fox, and uh, how did you meet Ian? Well, yeah, that's a good question, yeah. you know, because I met Ian through a is good friend of ours. Yeah. Well, I used to say I don't work for him. <laughs> you know, I work for myself. You know, as we all just shared the same vision. We happen to be sharing the same vision at the moment, so which is great. That's the main reason we were achieving some goals together. And here we are. But I met I actually met Ian through a really good friend of ours, Leo. And he brought me into the Wiley Fox once because I was looking to get my own project going. And I I studied PR as like years ago. I don't look that old, but I am old, you know. And that was in Brazil as well, where I was born and raised. And one day I decided to leave. Okay. It's been 12 years now that I'm living in Ireland. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I just decided that I, I had the time and the will to start my own project and do my own thing as in social media and marketing. And, and I see you focus a lot in social media in the Wiley Fox and uh, Soundhouse. Yeah, that's how it all started. There actually, yeah. you know, he invited me to look after the so like the Instagram page from the Wiley Fox to start, and then the Soundhouse after to launch the new the brand new live streaming platform. It's a, it, I suppose it is an interesting thing actually because I when when you look back on it, Morella first came because she wanted to she had a food operation and she needed a dark kitchen and we were we were looking to um you to try and maximize the utility of the kitchen that we had on site because we recognized that it was being underutilized so she had a dark kitchen concept we wanted it um between one thing and another we went through about a year of trial and error with it and it wasn't really working. Uh, Morella wanted to wrap it all up and I was like yes let's wrap it all up but I have a counter offer right and when you look you look, it's, <laughs> when I when I look around the team when I look around the team of people that we have around the, the, what we call our 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 management uh, committee like our um, our senior staff uh, what I tend to try and hire first is kind of your mindset. We we want to see what your attitude is. We want to see your soft skills. We're not really all that interested in whether or not you can do the job or whether or not you've got 10 years experience or two years experience doing the job. 
everybody around their management team from Lisa who's our bar manager from Column who's our venue manager from who's our head chef from who Morella who's our marketing and sales and marketing manager it's like everybody who's in their chair never did that job before they're all this is their first time doing Morella before she has the experience in in marketing and experience in in social media um campaigns and marketing but never really did a job like this so uh, it's down to the personality for you yeah yeah and same through column column was column has a passion for music he's a passion for kind of up and coming artists and irish artists and things like that and um and he just loves music he just loves putting on amazing shows and and for me that's it that's the silver bullet that's the thing you're looking for figuring out how to run a music venue and how to set up contracts and how to organize things like the 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 contract that we set up how the split is who gets what how you sell tickets how you fill a calendar making sure that there's enough diversity in there so as you're not going to one marketplace too much and saturating it how to make sure that that band that's playing on Saturday night didn't play at some stage these are all the nuts and bolts of the the okay. greasy kind of parts of it and same thing with Lisa is like Lisa just has a passion for being able to kind of show like take care of people and that's the thing about hospitality that I have that I've drilled into people which is we may sell alcohol that might be the nooks of what it is that we do but under no circumstances is that our product we never sell like alcohol is the byproduct of what we sell what we actually sell is hospitality experience experiences hospitality. Yeah. yeah and and like for all the way from morella from the messaging and the communication all down to how lisa and her team welcome you into the front of house um and then the kind of events that we kind of put on so it is interesting when you look around the team is like nobody who's in the chair did anything like that yeah before they did it here and and not only are they doing it really well they're all excelling at it and and it's it's a uh, it's kind of really super interesting to see it and actually I can uh, justify uh, can also give my perspective because the first time I visited I felt really welcome and I visited a lot of bars every day and uh, Lisa yeah. and the team was okay yeah, very yeah. welcome as like no I have to come back and talk to the guys maybe for another time yeah and uh, I can say that's all true what you said and I'm glad that you are uh, focusing on personalities and uh, yeah because i think it's a byproduct i think if we focus on that first um force of homes and if you you make that your mission statement then you you kind of make that the thing that you're 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 singular drilled into you know i think you'll sell alcohol as a byproduct of that you know because people will warm to it people will gravitate to it people want to be in that kind of an environment and i think as a result they'll buy they'll buy product off you they'll yeah. buy food and drink off you and then you'll make money I wish it was that simple though. Sometimes. No, but, but that, it goes back to the point that you're on is like <laughs> if you if you if you boil it down to it's 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 you know that's why I said about the business school if they want you to boil it down to the smallest yeah. noticeable thing that I can put on a post it that that's your business strategy that's your your USP your whatever you want a term you want to use is like you got to make it simple you got like you know the kiss analogy keep it simple stupid yeah. right so it, that's what I'm saying is like if you have to keep it simple because like a lot of what we do is we're making cocktails we're making food we're putting on shows like i said it's not putting a man on the moon here uh, it's not hard it's not it's not it's not complex but it, what's hard about it is to be able to do it um do it well it, that's actually because you got to bring a load of elements together and the elements that's the hardest thing to organize is people right okay. so you got to be able to communicate really well you got to be able to make sure everybody's sharing the same goals and vision we're all i i use the term all the time it's like we're all on a boat and we all have to row together and in perfect sequence and if we do that then we glide through this water effortlessly but sometimes people start taking the the or and doing their own thing and that causes resistance and that makes this a lot harder for everybody so if i my job is just running around the place talking to people i just have meetings all the damn time because okay. i'm just trying to keep everybody focused on one singular goal in mind because if i can keep you all on the same path all aligned to the same vision everybody working together as a team then it all gets easier you just carve your way through all of this so much in a in a far more effortless manner you know so it, that bit's hard and yeah. then doing that consistently yeah. is even harder and then doing that over years yeah like over 3 years and 5 years is damn near impossible so best of luck to you you yeah. know so it, it's that's the bit that's not easy yeah and and uh like trying to stay relevant 
and trying to keep that consistency. Yeah, the, those things are tough. Those, those things are very difficult. Talking to consistency, to my mind, it comes always uh, the EBS bartending school in Amsterdam. So Jonathan here, he's the brand ambassador for Maison Fernand North Europe, right? That is correct. And he was also my instructor in uh, EBS bartender academy. It was my first time ever. It was one of my first times working there. This is yeah, a, it was your first day when uh, I met you. My 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 oh, first wow. my first day working uh, training bartenders. I had the pleasure to uh, train this uh, very <laughs> excited young and bartender. This is what I remember about the school. It was all about consistency. Since I left that school, it was going to bartending career was consistency. The recipes, everything. Every day the schedule is all about. Exactly, exactly. But so but thank um, you for coming all the way straight from the airport. Much. And uh, like, if you would like to introduce yourself, so the I, I I just got in on a Ryanair flight where somebody had to be removed from the airplane, and that's why I'm an hour and a half late. Uh, oh. <laughs> my apologies. So uh, yeah, my, my my name is Jonathan. A lot of people just call me Jana. Uh, born and raised in Amsterdam. Uh, still live in Amsterdam. Nice. Uh, pretty much started in hospitality when I was one day sixteen. Then my uh, sister hired me as. Uh, as he called it, a terrace slave. Uh, as a young waiter who just had to work <laughs> on a very busy terrace in a, in the smack city of Amsterdam next to the museum district. Uh, I'll never forget my first order. Free hot chocolates with whipped cream for table 17. Came to the table, threw them all over the table. Destroyed a Nokia 3310, <laughs> which was the newest phone back then. So yes, I'm old as well. Uh, Sorry for laughing. Yeah, yeah. We, we've with all, a lot of respect. We've though. all been there. Yes. Uh, my sister was the manager. My brother was the bartender. And they were all laughing at me when it happened. Uh, thankfully, it got better from there. Uh, I kept working there for many years. Uh, my sister opened up her own bar eventually. Uh, started working there as well. I traveled a lot. Uh, went all over the world from, uh, from Asia to South America. Eventually, I came back and I decided I should study something and I started studying business, which uh, I did not like at all. Okay. But uh, I did have to do an internship and I just managed not to be on time to getting an internship anywhere. Uh, and then through a friend of mine, he got me, I uh, said, I know this uh, catering company and they look for internships. Now this internship didn't really match for a business school at all, but for some reason they, the, the university allowed it uh, and they allowed it. And this was a, a company called The Fabulous Shaker Boys. People were thinking I was working for a mill stripping company. No, this was a... <laughs> does have a kind of a yeah. vibe off of it. We had a big band <laughs> saying the fabulous shaker boys driving around Amsterdam. I think that's Amsterdam. the whole idea of yeah, it, yeah. isn't it? No, it was, a, it was actually a cocktail catering company. And that uh, that uh, got me into cocktails. Uh, really like that. Started working for them. Uh, bartending around a lot of events from the... MTV Music Awards. Uh, they flew me to Chile, South America to make mojitos on top of a mountain once. Uh, crazy events. Uh, like that, eventually became a bar manager at a nice little restaurant in Amsterdam, which had a great cocktail bar as well. And uh, that is where I hired some bartenders who do, did this thing called uh, European Bartender School, which I didn't like at all to do begin with because uh, I thought you don't learn bartending in a school. Just what you said before as well, like so much of what we do in hospitality, it's all about mentality and mindset. I don't, I don't care about your drink. I care about you as a person. I mean, I always say I'd rather have a shit drink from a great personality than a great drink from an asshole. <laughs> but yeah, as the owner said of the of the bar school, uh, pretty much it's a, it's a franchise system, and uh, he owned the school in Amsterdam. He said, "If you don't believe in education, what does it say about your own profession?" Well, yeah. okay, fair enough. Uh, and he showed me what they did there. And is that Mats? That is Mats Verhoeven. Yeah. yeah, it's a guy who won every competition there is to win. Yeah. He owns a bar now in Amsterdam as well. Uh, yeah, a very, very good bartender. Uh, and we really tried to push for a different type of education than the other schools, or or help to improve all the schools together. So uh, worked there for five years in the end. But it was for me personally, it was a great experience. Uh, like from Balthazar to Vasily, Vasiliev, the Bulgarian general. Yeah, uh, Dimitar. Yeah, Dimitar, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the last name. Uh, it just, yeah. it was the hospitality. The whole experience was really good at the school. It was just. Yeah. No, and they, all, all these guys that work there, they all own their own bars now or work in different ways in the industry. Uh, I mean, I trained over 1,600 bartenders. You know, a lot, of, a lot of kids do EBS just to have a fun month and get drunk. But yeah. there is this like. I would say 20% were really there uh, to help them improve their careers. And I mean, you're a great example of that uh, yeah, as really, well. Yeah. And now I have former students. I have uh, from uh, uh, national world-class winners to bar owners uh, to other brand ambassadors who, you know, I had the pleasure to help uh, help out in the first uh, 
months of their career. Dus hij had het plezier tot all my shit jokes to and, uh, and teach them how to make a cocktail. Uh, yeah, for, for that I got in contact with a lot of brands. So I did a lot of brand work for some uh, for the for a lot of other companies. Uh, and eventually there was a competition by Plantation Rum where uh, they challenged different bars to blend your own rum. And we as a bar school could join as well. And uh, everybody got like a small 10 liter barrel where you had to make your own rum blend uh, in and age it for a couple of months. And they sent those samples to the owner to test them and the winner would fly to France. And luckily enough, uh, we won it and we, we went to France because uh, Plantation Rum is owned by a company called Maison Ferrand, yeah. company I work for now. Uh, and they're a French company. But they also own a distillery in Barbados. Uh, and while we were on the airplane to France, because we won it with EBS and uh, with another bar called Flying Dutchman in Amsterdam, uh, in the airplane they said, yeah, actually the competition is starting right now and the winner will fly to Barbados. Wow. Uh, which was obviously we're all like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, very fortunate uh, as well that uh, also won the, the other competition, went to Barbados. This was in February 2020. Talk about timing, you know. Thank God it was in February, not in March. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, and then I said, uh, yeah, uh, to, to the people working for the company, uh, if there's ever any job available at this uh, at this company, I can clean toilets. I don't care. I'll do whatever. <laughs> uh, I would love to work for for it because uh, what I love about Maison Vergaal, it's, it's a family-owned business. There's one single owner, a guy called uh, Alexandre Gabriel, uh, who's a very enthusiastic, absolute. He's 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 batshit crazy. I will say. Uh, he always loves to. Uh, he's our master blender as well. He always loves to do different experience. So uh, we make a lot of cool products uh, for bartenders, uh, and we do a lot of cool experiments. So uh, I've been in this job now for almost two years. Yeah. It's an absolute blast. And this one, I remember, he started really young. And uh, when yeah. Ian mentioned he started really young, he's uh, bartending and uh, being an owner. He, as well, I remember he started... Yeah, yeah the, the owner of his own started when he was 22. He started yeah. uh, he started the company. And he, he just bought a couple of barrels of cognac, pretty much. He took over an old cognac house together with somebody else. Uh, started selling cognac, which wasn't very successful. Actually, French people don't really drink cognac. It's more... They drink more cognac in the UK than they do in France. Okay. And France people drink more whiskey than they do in the UK. Very confusing. Uh, and what is nice, uh, eventually he had a little bit of luck selling his cognac to the States. Because this is, uh, now we're looking at like the mid-late 90s, where slowly cocktail culture as we know it now was starting to come up. That people were not just making sex on the beaches and sea breezes, but they were like, oh, a Fiocare, a Sazerac, a Sidecar, all these these classic cocktails where calls for cognac. So this is bartenders really started to use it and pick up on it. Um, and that is as well, to this day, we always make products for bartenders. That's how I, as a former bartender, get this job as well. You know, bartenders is what made the whole company great. So your main target is bartenders? I mean, in the end of the day, we, uh, our... Uh, I guess we still make more money. I think it's almost any spirits brand out there. You make the the true bucks you make in the liquor stores, you know, in the consumers uh, buying it. But where do you build your brand? And especially for us, we build our brand in the trades, you know, and that's okay. as well. And of course, it's also good business. Yeah? We're still selling bottles. But if you look uh, to to quickly summarize how the company started, so Alexandre started the cognac, uh, started the cognac brand, had some luck selling that. He started a gin brand as well called Citadel, which is very small in uh, in Ireland, but we're working on it step at a time. Yeah. But uh, in the late '90s, he started Plantation Rum, and Plantation Rum is what we are now very well known for uh, all around. And this started off with some vintages, just some you know uh, single year expressions, really sipping rums. Till eventually, uh, especially a guy called Paul McFadden. Paul McFadden is uh, our our guy in the UK, and he's an absolute legend. He is claimed to be the inventor of the snackery, you know, uh, a daiquiri you drink as a shot. Oh, God. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> on, on multiple cocktail menus around the world, there's a Paul McFadden on the cocktail menu, which is just two daiquiris, one to shoot and one to sip. Uh-huh. Uh, classic guy. But anyway, he boosts our owner to make products yeah. for the bartenders. So if you know your plantation free stars, you're pouring rum, Back with flavor, but on a good price point as well. Because anybody can make an amazing rum costing 60 euros a bottle, but you need something with a pack with flavor, which you can have in your speed drill for a decent price. Eventually, uh, for Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans, the famous fair, uh, they made a special edition for the, for the caps. The caps at Tales of the Cocktail, the people who work there uh, for free, pretty much helping out setting it up. And they made something called Stickings Fancy Pineapple Rum. 
And nowadays, Plantation Pineapple is like one yeah. of our most successful products out there. Uh, but that was made for the bartenders there. Okay. Then we had the OFTD, the, the overproof rum uh, we make. And I'm not sure if everybody knows what OFTD stands for. On the bottle, it says old fashioned traditional dark. Yeah. That's not what it means. It means, ah, oh, fuck, that's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Like, that's how some guys on the side, if you look at that bottle, all the guys on the side of the bottle, they're famous bar owners and they made this together. And this is what a guy called David Wanderers pro- proclaimed when he tasted it. So, uh, yeah, we make a lot of cool things now, a lot of cool products for, uh, for different people. Okay. And, uh, like, was it any challenges for you when you start, or was it just because of the pandemic? Uh, I mean, a hundred percent. In in general, I think as well throughout my career, I had so many times that I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, Fake it till you make it. hundred percent, and that's that's been so much uh, always my thing as well. And it's uh, again to draw back to EBS and learning something. I always told students there, uh, at least act like you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like so many times in life, I have no idea what I'm doing, but by sort of acting like it, uh, people will believe it and all of a sudden I'll believe it myself as well. You know, and that's uh, same as well with personality, you know. Uh, you wouldn't believe it uh, now, but I was actually a very shy guy. When I started as a 16-year-old, I was a very shy, introverted... Very hard to believe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to tell this to people, nobody uh, believes me because I'm fairly outgoing nowadays. But uh, I think even personality you can learn to a certain extent you know uh, i really you can get you have to get people out of their comfort zones i think yeah. that is one of the most important things i always did although it terrified me uh get out of your comfort zone and that's how you can sort of learn to develop your own personality for me it was what changed me from a shy guy to a more outgoing person was uh, when i was 18 i went traveling to asia and to south america and i did a lot of traveling uh, by myself and i was every time i got on a plane i was terrified like what the hell am i gonna do in argentina all alone yeah but uh, that sort of forced me to meet people to talk to people uh and to yeah learn how to be outgoing okay and same with this job now yeah no it's definitely a trend all right you definitely see people uh looking for looking for the easy way out they're looking for um things to be nice and simple things to be less dramatic um path of least resistance and all that kind of stuff but it's very very hard to grow when you're in your comfort zone, if you stay yeah. in that comfort zone, the the potential for growth is significantly reduced. So the only real way, I know there's, there's other podcasts out there that talk about this, and I'm I'm a big advocate of it. Is like you you put yourself in uncomfortable positions. Like I've I've got a 13 year old and a 12 year old, and a lot of the motto that I tell them as young people is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get yeah. used to being in uncomfortable positions. Try and put yourself in uncomfortable positions as often as you possibly can because that's where the maximum amount of growth and development is for you as a person. And we're just trying to engineer human beings. Like these are two kids, influential young kids, and we want to, we see ourselves as gui- as guardians and, and, and guiding them along a path. So we try to put them in uncomfortable growth positions as much as possible because that's where the maximum amount of growth is. But... My fear is that what we see with, I suppose, the prevalence of technology and social media is that people people want, like it's hard out there. I know we talked about it. It's, it's difficult out there. Everybody looks like they've got it all figured out. Everybody looks like they're all living their best lives and, and I'm depressed and like my life sucks and how is it that I, I'm doing this so badly and, and then you're seeing skyrocketing uh, numbers of depressions and suicide and other bits and pieces and when you... When you Strip it all back. It's all absolute bollocks. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, and I'm very much guilty of that. If, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. follow me on Instagram, it's all like, ooh, look at me, <laughs> yeah, flying around the yeah, world. Yeah, I'm just yeah. back from Iceland. I'm doing this. I mean, I love my job. I do cool it stuff. It is cool job. The fact that I was just two hours stuck waiting on a Ryanair flight to leave. That didn't get someday. posted no, on that's, Instagram. That, 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 that did not make the flashy reel of, <laughs> of this. Yeah. yeah. I think we're doing, we're doing ourselves a disservice because when we show them all the glitzy highlight reels of our yeah. lives and we don't show them the you know the three hour grueling meeting that we just dragged ourselves through you know the the challenges that 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 that's not that entertaining so therefore we don't put it up but it like i said it's the it's that's the kneading of the dough the the processing of the dough that's required it's the manpower that you need to go through you know so is like an advice for somebody who starts their own business what are you saying it would be like great advice for somebody to start a business to be feeling 
getting uncomfortable? No, I, I, I think if you if my advice is just go off and do it. You know, right. um, that that's just start. That's my advice. Is is yeah, just what's your idea? Do you have an idea? Do you, I suppose do you, you know, what are you in it for? Are you in it to make money? I think if you're in it to make money, you're probably in it for the wrong reasons. I think very, very, it's like... Definitely with hospitality. Yeah, but I think with anything, it's like there, you, you've got to be part of the 1% of the 1% that actually strike it rich and get lucky. So chances are you're going to be grinding out this this career that's your path. You're trying to pay for yourself here for the next 40 years. It's a grind, right? So you better choose something that you're passionate about. Some You better choose something that, that makes you happy or fulfills you in some sort of way. Because if not... Um, you know, it's it's going to get pretty miserable. You, we're fortunate that we we do jobs around this table um, that we we really enjoy. It suits our personality. It suits our our, our own particular style. There's a sense of um, yeah, I get this. This is kind of my vibe. So therefore, it doesn't really feel like that much of a slog. Like if you put me uh, in an office nine to five in a cubicle with a desk and pay me a hundred thousand euros a year I would kill myself I would fucking within, kill myself within, within a week, within yeah, a week. It's like, I was like I would fucking die I would sooner die uh, absolutely you know like give me 30 grand a year and tell me I've got all this flexibility and freedom to do whatever it is I want and I'm the happiest man alive you know so I, I think you got to have a passion for what it is you're doing. That's the first and foremost. If you're in it for the money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. You got to have a reason for doing it, uh, and most of the time is just crack on and do it and try to figure and it out. What I, what I believe as well is set yourself. I mean, don't, don't really have to be fixed goals, but set yourself some sort of goals. Uh, also, just from a from a bartender perspective, uh, personally, I really made at one moment a very conscious choice to okay, I'm gonna. Pursue a career in bartending because it's business university in general studying made me very, very unhappy. But when I went into bartending, and that was even before I started uh, bar work uh, uh, or brand work, I mean, uh, I was like, okay, I want to be the nerdiest bartender out there. So I, you know, I studied every distillery out there. I love speaking for hours about fermentation and distillation and all the technical bits and pieces. And, and this isn't for everybody, yeah? but there are so many different areas of expertise within bartending or within hospitality on a larger scale, you can sort of become a pro in a certain field, uh, you know, whether that's education, whether that's flair bartending or, or starting a business. Uh, set yourself some sort of targets you can measure uh, to improve yourself because as well, something I hear now a lot as a, as a brand ambassador, I hear from so many bartenders, oh my God, I'm so jealous on these guys doing a cool guest shift there, these people flying there, uh, and these best bars list are just, you know, the it's, it's just politics, yeah. uh, you know, like, but all these people that get to these places, what most of them have in common is that they're, they have a objective, they set it to themselves, they reach out to me, they come with a plan, uh, and they go after it. And that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it. also, like, I think the, I like the idea that, you know, a, a career that has the potential, and like bartending is a great example of this, a, a career that has the potential to grow and develop as you grow and develop, because you're not going to be 20 forever, right? So this idea of being 20-something and it's a high energy lifestyle you know it's a lot of parties it's a lot of high energy it's a lot of late nights um it's a young man's game to a certain degree right so i mean i just think of i just think of it in terms of my own arc because when when in 2007 i i joined 2006 actually i joined the the bartenders association of ireland i came a member i went and competed in cocktail competitions in ireland i wanted to get really good at this discipline i committed myself to that discipline a lot of the guys and the peers that i uh, kind of came through you know Dar darren garrity alan kavanagh paul lambert to this world like you know they're they're all still in the trade it's a very similar story and i did that for a couple of years and um i i kind of competed nationally i i went I, I this is me again i whenever i find myself involved in anything i always end up gravitating to the center of it so like i was like the vice president of the bai at one stage and the the the, the sitting president uh was expecting a baby the same week as the iba which is the international bartenders association kind of annual conference so i went in his chair as as sitting president i went to uh, taiwan now we had a, um, a flair bartender and a classic bartender. Rafael Acapito was our was our classic cocktail bartender. He now has his own 
Fabu, uh, Fabu, yes, Kachasa, yes, yeah. Kachasa, and yeah. he was uh, he was working for me actually at the time okay. in Jack Nealon's pub, um, and we he went. Um, he competed internationally and we had um, Norbert Chuck who was our flair bartender at the time and he's still in the trade as well um, but I came back after that and after a while I decided you know I think I've done as much of this as I kind of can now like I've travelled internationally I've done international competitions I've seen what this is like uh, I, I don't want to be kind of boxed in uh, and I know people have kind of done that where and that's their passion and I'm not critical of it but it wasn't for me I didn't want to become an expert at one particular discipline I wanted to because I think this suits me and things like I'm, and I say this to people all the time it's like I'm not great at anything right and I came across people who were absolutely amazing at cocktails absolutely amazing at flair amazing at other bits and pieces but I'm really good I'm better than like 80% of people at most things right so it's that initial allergy of the uh, like I'm a master of nothing but I'm great at all these other things you know so and, and what I wanted to do was I wanted to apply myself I wanted to, I wanted to be a bar owner I wanted to own my own bar and I did that then when I was 29 I took on my own bar I took on my own lease and, and that became a whole other thing and then that led me to well if you're going to do this you need to understand how business works because now you're a business person so how do you become a business leader how do you become a motivator how do you become a, a, a person that has a vision so then that led me to really kind of exploring my entrepreneurial kind of side a bit more so I had to turn that knowledge up even further so the trade has been good to me in the sense that all the way along my own personal growth path all the way along my own personal journey there's been opportunities and avenues for me to grow with the industry that I've chosen for myself and I think it has that opportunity to do things for everybody you can be singular focus individual stay in your own lane this is what I'm good at I excel at it um, and I like being an expert at it I like being one of the best around at this particular thing so therefore uh, I'm going to stay at it. But for other people, there is the opportunity to apply yourself because it's such a dynamic environment. And that's the great thing as well, especially when you look in the last f- 15 years or something. Like I think back in the days, at least the old school bartenders that taught me, it's just like you're a bartender. That's what you are. But there's so many opportunity now in this industry. You can sell mm-hmm. your own glassware. You can uh, exactly. study your brand on the site. It's it's a little bit intimidating, I think, as well for, for a young bartender because, you know, back in my... I, when I focus on at least to the cocktail aspect of it, so, you know, uh, I had like a couple of books and two web pages. Now there's so much information, and so much, there's so much available to help your career, which can also be like, oh, where where to start till uh, till a certain extent. But uh, yeah, there's just so much opportunity out there, and uh, go after it. Exactly. And may I ask you, like, uh, we are, you're all busy. Like, how you maintain that healthy lifestyle? Like, how you maintain your daily routine like how is it balanced like i know jonathan does a lot of running i i, I do do a, a lot of running so that, i mean that's 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 for me is a hundred percent uh i mean my biggest challenge in the whole brand ambassador thing is uh finding a good balance between the booze and uh exactly, and, exactly. And, 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 <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know i'm sort of uh, I, was, i was in copenhagen last week you know and somebody passed me a shot it's like yeah cheers and while i'm drinking it touch my lips like god damn it it's 50 mils of ovtd i really do not need this in my life <laughs> but it's definitely a challenge i mean as you know i do a lot of running so uh, I, i run marathons and uh, some Uh, did some ultra marathons as well and that's is the what good is thing. the maximum you run the maximum is uh 80k and uh hopefully wow. i'll do 120 next year but uh holy hell uh, how many, do you run every day no not every day like four or five days a week i just did a two days ago i did a i just came back from iceland uh i did a nice little reykjavik half marathon uh, on sunday uh but yeah i think it's it's a lot about you know just nutrition running and I'm very technical with my drinking. I love, I love, I love a drink. <laughs> I love a lot of drinks. Uh, okay, don't we all? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with letting your hair down uh, and have a good time. But uh, for me, the days I don't drink, I don't drink a single drop. You know, and that's at least three, four days in the week. That's part of the job. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, and uh, and and shots. I just try to dutch shots. Uh, I mean, people people think I drink more than I actually do. You know, those. Yeah. those uh, we have a uh, with plantation. We have the pineapple shot classes. They're great because you can't see through them. So I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah, I now they know. Just. <laughs> yeah, God damn it. Yeah. Ian, what do you do? Like to uh, it's, listen, a, it's I mean, a very challenging industry. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I've I've listen, I've done, I I do a lot of gym work uh, as best as I can. But you know, what I find from a a, a balanced lifestyle is um, 
I, for me, it's a lot about mental health. Like it, it's a lot about your, your, some people use running or some people use exercise as a way to kind of decompress as a way to kind of let it out. 100%, out. That, that running is more, it's almost more for a mental aspect Correct. than yeah, the yeah. physical aspect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the physical is great because obviously you get the endorphins, you get the boost, you get all this energy. Um, but really a lot of runners, what you hear from runners is it clears my head, right? It yeah. kind of yeah. dusts off the cobwebs and, and whatever else. So a lot of, a lot of for me is, is, is just trying to do activities that allow me kind of space to breathe and, and a space to kind of keep my, my mentality sharp, my, my focus sharp. Um, because I'm, I'm trying to juggle a, a ton of balls in the air at the moment and the days are long and the, the weeks come thundering past you. And, um, you, you set out some pretty ambitious goals as well. And you're kind of trying to drive it forward all the time. Um, so you're trying to balance it all off a little bit, and a lot of that is just how you can manage your own um, your own mental health, uh, your own psychology uh, to try and stay as clear and as focused. So, like I, I've got, I've got, unfortunately, I've got tons of energy, and I've got a couple of kids as well, so they keep you going, so you can spend some time with those. And you know, there's love kind of going. Like, I, I'm a nut job. Like everything I do, I have to do it to the the the, the maximum degree possible. I go every Sunday morning at the side of a pitch with, with watching my daughter play football. She's twelve. And I'm running, shouting at everybody, and like I'm that <laughs> asshole. You know what I mean? That's, uh, no. I'm that. I'm that. I'm that guy. No, I mean it's all positive and encouragement. I'm not caught. I'm not abusing the referee or anything like that. But I'm. Um, it's all positive. But I, I remember I showed up to one of the matches a week or so ago a bit late, and I, I only arrived at half time. And there's usually all the, the parents are there, and you get to know them and and whatever. I was I was talking to them at the end of the match, and. Uh, and they were saying, they're saying it's gas because you weren't here at the start. And then all of a sudden we could hear you, but we couldn't see you because I was on the other side of the pitch. And it's like, we could hear Ian, but we couldn't see Ian. But we know Ian is here because we can hear him. And it's a massive pitch and everybody's around the pitch shouting and roaring. But I'm the one who's who's louder than everybody else. So I get a great buzz out of that, just watching the kids. And that's kind of... A, yeah. A, a family. I, yeah, family and, and spending time do things with the wife as well. You know, I try and I, I try to balance off. I go on a couple of trips and I, I, yeah, it's that that's the the mental side of things where you dust the cobwebs off. And I have that kind of a personality where I'm I'm adventure seeking all the time, so I'm always chasing the next euphoric high or the next. So I have a kind of adventuristic spirit. So I'd like to do more actual physical activity. But that doesn't always allow the schedule, unfortunately. Mirella, for you? Well, I've, I've been trying to be a good girl for the past month, I think. Yeah, a month now that I'm going to the gym. Finally, I told everybody yeah. I'm going to the gym and like four times a week now, That's which great. is great. Yeah, I'm feeling great. Uh, it helps me to find that headspace that I need because working with creativity and as you know, it's busy. It's, it's all the time there's something going on. I try to travel as much as I can. And when I'm on my own, I try to study, you know, as much as I can. But I go more for like studying Spanish, Italian, you know, that kind of thing. That also relaxes me. So, yeah, pretty much that. Oh, that's great. I was like, I wanted to ask uh, Jonathan, what is it, everybody actually, what is the most exciting part of your job? After Ian and Mirella, hundred uh, percent meeting people. You know, I'm I'm so blessed that I uh, I get to go to all these different places, all these different cultures as well. You know, uh, it, it's so amazing. You know, Europe it isn't so big. Uh, I live in Amsterdam. I'm you know in an hour I'm in so many different cities from Amsterdam, but it is just wildly different. The bar seats are completely different. But in the end today, everybody we, everybody just wants to have a good time. You know, and that's what we. Hope that we can support places uh, to achieve just that. So, 100 uh, percent, the the people and the and the different cultures. Different cultures always interested me massively, and uh, yeah, I've, I have a lot of love for the for the places I go to. Is it more brand ambassadors like you, like in Eastern Europe, or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's uh, uh, it, within the company, uh, there's a couple of guys uh, who do the different parts of Europe. Uh, I mainly focus on the Scandinavian markets, uh, the Dutch and the Irish market, which I love as well because I. I get to go to places again and again and meet people and build up relationships. And uh, yeah, that's just uh, a lot of bars now around my region where uh, I'm happy to go all by myself and just have a good chat and have a good drink. And uh, That's great. Ian, you? What is your most exciting part? Do you, 
Yeah, I mean, what, what excites you the most? Well, no, for me, it's 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 really really simple. Um, for me, the 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 most gratifying thing that I do in the job is is being able to kind of, and I find I I, I feel it a privilege actually, and I I feel it in that in that kind of a way, which is everybody's busy, everybody's working hard, people are stressed out, people are flat out. But and and you've decided for whatever reason to come to 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 my house, right? And I, I see the business like that. It's like you're coming to my house, and it's like for food or drink or music or whatever it is. And and you've decided to come here. Uh, you've got a babysitter. You've gotten all dressed up. You've got your taxi organized. You got your budget for the night, and you're looking for um a, a great night out and. We get the opportunity to, to deliver that to you, um, and we get the we get the opportunity to impact on your life, and we do this across hundreds of people uh, across every single week, where we get to kind of reach into your personal life and drop a little kind of moment of happiness into your life, and that was us who did that. Like we gave you an amazing night out that you're going to go back to the office now, the back to the water cooler to all your friends and say, we did this on Saturday night, or we're at this show, we went this place to drink, and the night was amazing. Like those those opportunities in, in a person's week are incredibly finite. Those happen maybe once or twice a month. You know, and like you add those up over a course of a year and it's not that many for the vast majority of people. Some people only go out rarely, you know, Mm -hmm. once every couple of months. So this is a rare opportunity for you. You're out for a night out and we've, we've been able to kind of drop into your life this, this gem of a moment where it all just sung. It all came together. The food was amazing. The drinks was absolutely class. Uh, and you get to, you get to live a little bit. You get to, because we're not just, I say this to people all the time. It's like, we're not machines. We're not robots. We're, we're not economic entities solely designed for GDP growth. Yeah. We're not always trying to move the needle of a share price or, you know, it's like there's, there's a human element, obviously, like the, the fundamental part of, of the human being, which needs to feel love, alive, the feeling of experiences. Um, and, and we're always trying to sing to that. I want you to put some food in your mouth and for your first reaction to be, holy shit. Right or oh my god! Like I know this is not a good. This is a burger, right? So <laughs> I'm saying to hell with my waistline, to hell with the diet, and it's just unapologetic gluttony. Is it's like I've worked hard all week. This is my moment. It's the old ad, like because you're worth it. You know, it's it's a little bit like that. I love it. Nice. Or, you, or you take a sip of a drink for an amazing drink. That's not just another drink. It's like we've 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 really engineered this incredibly well, and we've been able to bring. The these elements together and as soon as you taste it your 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 brain explodes it's just what the fuck is this <laughs> right and it's like we're able to do that for people you know and that's the when i see evidence of that coming back when i see that from people that's just the best bit like that's the best bit of what we do because we're able to go out to people's lives and just play them like a piano just influence their lives in a little bit and just add a bit of music to their to their lives in that way and some rum and some rum plantation rum of the Mirella yours um, just the creative freedom I have being like being able to put out like with my job is just what makes me amazed every day and uh, actually the opportunity of working in hospitality with different brands and things that I really really love and looking after people and yeah. thanks for events. organizing it today and thanks for thank having you us, yeah. guys it's yeah. always a pleasure to organize things with you it's so easy and yeah i just i feel like an artist yeah. with like a budget <laughs> which is great isn't it <laughs> it's great when you have a good budget <laughs> <laughs> oh well <laughs> uh, i would just like to say thank you for coming today and jonathan from uh, coming all the way from amsterdam to do this event and, my pleasure yeah and mirella of course for making it happen Thank you. And is there anything last you would like to say? I'm very Just much something about plantation or uh, the Mai Tai? Yeah, uh, we're doing a cool competition later on uh, today. But uh, I just want to say I'm very much also looking forward to a pint of Guinness because, you know, every time I come to Dublin, that's what I'm I heard Wiley Fox serves <laughs> a nice pint of Guinness. Uh, so, so, uh, so I've heard. Uh, 
Yeah. No, I, I'm. I'm a. I suppose I'm. I'm. I'm a bartender at heart, you know. So I, I kind of like the podcast idea, this idea, and it was something I've been. I've been involved in since 2007. The idea of the bartending as a fraternity. This idea of we need to elevate this this craft, and we need to bring the idea of craft back to bartending. I think if you look at chefs, for example, they've been able to continue this idea of the right mix of qualification training development personality um where they apply themselves and they're able to get creative and i think we've allowed i don't know how it is maybe necessarily internationally because i think internationally are a little better at this than we are here in ireland um but i think in ireland we've we've allowed the the craft of it to fade to fade away a little bit and i think things like this are good because it allows it allows the conversation to kind of flourish once again so i hope things like this kind of continue to to populate and people hopefully listen to conversations like this and and, and gather some uh, value from it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mirella. Thanks for the opportunity of like dismissifying a little bit how we work day in day out. Perfect. Thank you all for coming to What Color Is Your Drink and please uh, rate us or follow us on Spotify, Apple, on fifteen different platforms. And how Ian said, it's a great thing for bartending community to keep growing uh, we have like the drink masters on netflix you, you see it more and more like the chefs it's keep growing and yeah thanks everybody